0: This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19.
1: The Minutia Men celebrity interview is up next, but first take a listen to this other fine OPI show.
0: You f- You f***ed up the script. I didn't f*** up my part of the script. You expected that I did my job, and that was your fatal flaw, Santa. Okay, look, it's creating quality content either way, you know. Oh, are we keeping this? Oh, this is all (laughs) staying in. Are we keeping this? Listen
2: to Ant Friends on Spotify,
0: opishows.com,
2: or wherever you find podcasts.
0: Just search for
1: Radio Misfits. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview with Rick Kempfer and Dave Stern. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview, interview with Rick and Dave.
0: All right, Dave, today we are... Privilege to have one of the great lyricists on the show—Grammy winner, an Emmy nominee, an Oscar nominee, a Tony nominee, a Golden Globe nominee. Did you win the Pinewood Derby yeah. too, Glenn?
2: <laughs> Someone—I'm yeah, not up for the Pinewood Derby yet, but I will probably not win that either, But, but so.
0: someone who obviously has purchased his own tuxedo by now. Am I right, Glenn Slater? I do own a tuxedo. I thought so. When you go to that many award shows, you're going to have a tuxedo. So uh, very very thrilled to have you on the show. Thanks very much.
2: So glad to be here.
1: Thank you for inviting me. So, you know, our listeners may not know you by name, but they know your work. You worked with Disney songwriter Alan Menken on a few very big projects, including Little Mermaid on Broadway. You've also worked with him on Home on the Range, Sister Act, the musical, Leap of Faith. Talk a little bit about Alan and the way you guys work together because your stuff is just T- tremendous, just brilliant.
2: Thank you. Um, so, I started working with Alan over 20 years ago and I was still pretty young and completely unproduced, and he was already Alan Minkin. Mm-hmm. And uh, how did you meet him?
0: I mean, how did that? How does that happen?
2: Ah, so I I I had um, been hired by Disney to do a sort of it's sort of like an internship program almost where they, they had me write a couple of songs for a script that wasn't going to be produced. And it was more about just sort of establishing a relationship. Okay. And, uh, and after I did that, I was sort of waiting for the phone call to come and the phone call wasn't coming. So I decided to take matters into my own hands and I just cold called Alan Menken's agent and said, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, I'm this unknown writer. I'm not represented by anybody. I know that you have contacts at Disney. Would you consider taking me on as a client? And To my astonishment, he actually did. Wow! And several months later, I got a call, and he said, "Alan's been working on something, and uh, the lyricist isn't working out." And I ran your name past the Disney people, and they loved working with you when you were interning there. And would you, would you be, would you consider writing with Alan? Because (laughs) I'm seriously, no, you know what? What, what uh, Tuesday, Tuesday's a bad day for me. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, this was this project was a prequel to Roger Rabbit, which oh. obviously ended up not happening. Yeah. But the the concept for it was that it was going to be the story of how Roger got to Hollywood in the first place. And it was meant to be, the way the first one was a parody of film noir, this was meant to be sort of a parody of like MGM musicals and sure. RKO musicals. So it required a sort of a Gershwin-y, Cole Portery kind of a score. And uh, I went up to Alan's studio with a you know, sort of a dummy lyric in hand, and sat down but he has a room his studio is the room where he keeps all the statues so it's, you know, the eight Oscars and the 10 Grammys and all the, I mean, it's like, literally, it's like being the fortress of solitude. So yeah. A little, little intimidating too, right? I bet. Does he have a Pinewood <laughs> Derby
1: trophy, though? That's what I we're think, looking for. He,
2: he, I think he has a Pinewood Derby trophy. I think he, does. he invented the damn Pinewood Derby. <laughs> so I sat down, and again, I had, I had never been produced. I was literally as, as nobody as you can be. Yeah. And I put the lyric in front of him on the piano, and he looked at it for about three seconds and started playing. Wow. And it was that... Oh my god i just wrote an alan megan song wow, wow. <laughs> like it just is so it sounded cool. like him it sounded yeah and we just clicked um we worked on those songs together and obviously the project didn't happen but by the time it stopped happening they had already asked him to do what became home on the range which he asked me to join mm-hmm. him on uh and by the time that project ended up being what it was uh, which was not as successful as I think anybody hoped. Uh, we had already started on a Little Mummy, so I just I you know I just kept failing upwards, I guess. Oops.
0: Well, I can't, you know then,
2: can't complain about
0: that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because not only have you worked with Alan Menken, who you know as you mentioned has won every award in the okay. book, your other famous co- collaborator is Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber. What a hack! Not too yeah, bad. You just work with hacks.
2: <laughs> it's, I, I have to say, you know, working with probably the two greatest melody writers amazing it's, it's amazing sort of a, yes it's, I, I pinch myself constantly
0: now you wrote the sequel to uh, Phantom with him uh, Love Never Dies uh, other projects yes. too uh, you know I want to know about that But, but have you been following him on social media during the pandemic
2: I have. He's been just sort of showing everything. And Isn't that fantastic. cool? I, I, yeah, he's posting yeah.
0: all sorts of stuff. He's interacting with fans. He's playing songs from his house. Yeah, I always thought of him as kind of like this diva type, but he doesn't come off that way at all.
2: No, you know it's so interesting. He's he's one of the most misunderstood, like major figures ever. I mean, people people do think of him as sort of um, controlling and diva like, but really he's just he's a he's one of these people that is. Uh, Obsessed with getting it right And constantly worried that it's not right And all of that behavior is just like The behavior of a guy who is just Constantly rewriting And reworking and rethinking And trying to get people to get up to where he's Trying to go and being frustrated That people aren't seeing where he's trying to go And he's He's definitely a little bit Misunderstood So it's all Um, for
0: the work is what you're saying It's for the the quality of the final product Is what he's obsessed with
2: yeah, and you know, he's he does have a dual role in that he's usually the composer, but he also self produces, you know, through really useful group. Good point. So yeah. he's it's- got a composer hat on and when he's got his composer hat on, he is a typical collaborator. He's fantastic to work with and open to ideas and there's a big flow of dialogue. I think the problem that people have and where this image comes from is when he puts on the other hat, the producer hat. Gotcha. He's not thinking as an artist, but he's thinking of the guy who has to pay the bills and figure out the schedules and make sure the marketing is working.
0: And you probably and, don't have to deal with him in that regard very often at
2: all. Um, not very often. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a, you know, I can understand where people get that from, but I think it's, you know, the tip of the iceberg and there's so much more going on under the surface.
1: Oh, and he's a sir, too.
2: So right, yeah, you know, the a whole star thing is right. kind of intimidating. Right? <laughs> but you really yeah, shoot for the stars, uh, don't you? you. Yeah, what
1: are you <laughs> slumming with us for, my friend? <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, uh, um, I actually have a bone to pick with you, and uh, this is going to get maybe a little ugly. I have three teenage daughters, uh, and uh-huh. and uh, tangled was their favorite uh, was their favorite movie cuz they loved the fact that Rapunzel had a lot of hair and dad was bald they just thought that was the funniest thing in the world so i have heard your this, your songs a th- gazillion times yeah. and I'm they so are so sorry. damn <laughs> Earwormy, yeah, you know, I, they're very they're catchy. So catchy. What can I do to get? It? I mean, not. I I want them in my head only eighty percent of the time, rather than one hundred percent of the time. Is there anything
2: I can? Is do? Is there like some medication and and or something you can take is, uh, to get it's that? It's the curse. It's the curse of Minkin. There is nothing you can do. You, all you can do is submit and then die. That's <laughs> okay. Hey, thanks.
1: Well, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, my daughter's just. That's a great movie, by the way. Oh my God! And uh, thank you. Uh, it's, um,
2: you know, this was a, 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 a something that had been in production at Disney for literally decades. I mean, they I think they had started it back in the '70s and just weren't able to figure out how to tell the story. Couldn't figure out how to animate the her. Um, it was it was something that was just sitting there and sitting there and sitting there. And when John Lasseter uh, joined the Disney Animation fold, um. He sort of looked at it and said, "Look, we have to either solve it or or dump it." Yeah. And he brought on a writer named Dan Fogelman, who is now the head writer of This Is Us, and I work with him on Gallivant. Um, and at the time, he had done Cars for for Pixar, and I think he had done Bolt for Disney. So he was very well versed in lots of different kinds of writing and pretty great with enemies. And he um, went off on a retreat with Nathan Greno and Byron Howard, the two directors, and they came out two days later with. An idea that sort of solved all the problems, mm. um, and at that point the the CGI had advanced far enough that they were able to solve the herb and all that, and they they brought Alan and I on and they said, you know, we're not sure if this should even be a musical, like pick us an idea to make it feel like we, this needs to be a musical, and so Alan and I went into we. We sat together and we just began talking through all the possibilities and we looked at all the drawings they had sent us of Rapunzel, um, alone in her tower with paintings on the wall and sitting barefoot with her long hair, yeah. and we kept thinking, well, she's sort of like a prototypical hippie, almost, Yeah, yeah. you yeah. know, like flowers in her hair and mm-hmm. playing the guitar and, and so we said, what if we do something that's never been done and sort of do a like a folk rock, Joni Mitchell type of score, yeah. and we pitched this to them and they got very excited, and we began writing in that mode. And Alan, if nothing else, is sort of the consummate musical mimic. He can take—we call it—we call it putting it into the minkinator. You <laughs> take any style of music, you feed it into him, and it comes out the other end, and it sounds exactly like that style of music. But it also sounds exactly like Alan Megan. I don't quite know how he does it. And in this it's, case,
0: it's also like a a tinge of medieval music too, right? It's like it's like hippie music mixed right. with medieval yeah. music. What right? kind of marijuana were you guys smoking <laughs> when you did this?
2: It's very very powerful. Disney gets the good stuff. You know, yeah, so. I was gonna say. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yo, go ahead. Um, so so we we began with that sort of Joni Mitchell vibe. And as the project went on, it sort of, you know, we added electric guitars, and then we added drums, and then we added synthesizers. Then suddenly, by the end of the project, it didn't sound like folk rock anymore, but it still had that sort of, that DNA built in. And it's, um usually when an animated film works, it's because the composers and the writers and the directors are all on the exact same page. And it was sort of a gift being able to start from virtually scratch, with literally getting the script right out of, you know, we sat down for two days and here's what we came up with
0: yeah like you uh, even had a to chance to shape the script a little bit by by, exactly. by giving them those songs that's that's a, that's a cool
1: story do you know who's i would again this may be a stupid question you know who's starring or who's going to be the leads in these movies when you, before you write everything did, i mean did you are you always do you write for who's going to be the singer yeah
2: um sometimes we know and sometimes we don't know okay. okay uh untangled we did not know they went through a whole casting process where they brought in lots and lots of different kinds of people uh they were very adamant that they wanted whoever was acting in the roles to also be able to sing which was sort of new because in you know during the the 90s golden era you would have um sometimes have voice actresses doing the singing who were not doing the right. the acting as well right um and so when they when they brought in mandy moore by uh, she had just released an album I uh, literally, I think it was maybe a, a couple of weeks before they brought her in. And the album that she had done was exactly in that Laurel Canyon, Joni Mitchell folk rock vibe. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like perfectly there. And Alan and I listened just to the first few songs from that album. We're just like, oh my God, I hope she nails it. I hope she nails it because this would be so perfect. And, you know, she went in and, and read the lines and they called us back, Tim and Silver and we found her. Oh. And it was so exciting for us. So once we knew it was her, then yes, we could sort of shape it for her voice but the first few songs had already been written so uh we we needed to sort of then get everything back in line with her
0: that's you know um, that is so cool i you know i i can if, if you don't mind i'd like to get a little nerdy with you because um dave and i are, i've written lyrics before you know <laughs> we we wrote a uh, stage musical which was actually a, a parody of we're because we're comedy writers to so a west side mm-hmm. story we wrote a a uh Uh, rumble between the Cubs fans and White Sox fans here in Chicago. Hold on. (laughs) Let me me look at my Tony and my... uh, Where's the Tony for this? (laughs) But also, I was a writer for for a radio morning show, and so I wrote, you know, uh, parody lyrics all the time. So I want to get to uh, talk to you. I've never talked to a professional lyricist (laughs) before, so I have some questions for you. And one is... You know words obviously very important you can't squeeze in too many you have to hit the big message on the right notes you have to have important words that are not swallowed up in notes that are difficult to hit and therefore understand you have to understand the words there's so many things that go into being a a lyricist that the 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 layman doesn't think about what to you is the biggest challenge of writing lyrics
2: Oh, that's a great question um you know the the process that you just described is very much what it is it's not like writing a short story and it's not like writing poetry where you just sort of flow with what you're thinking and feeling it really is in some ways almost more like doing a mosaic and particularly for me you know again i work with two of the greatest melody writers ever and unlike a lot of people in this industry we generally do music first right Um, you know, both of them are very good at sort of reading through a scene, understanding what the emotional story is that they want to tell and translating that into a melody. And then I'm given that melody and I have to sort of figure out, all right, how do I put the words on here that then shape that melody into the specifics and pitch the narrative and capture the characters and do all that sort of stuff. And so it is almost like going syllable by syllable, note by note, dropping things on and seeing what sounds right, what sings well. What gets the point across?
0: Wow, that is cool.
2: I think the hardest part is being able to sort of focus simultaneously on that micro and the macro. Because while I have to make sure, yes, I'm not, you know, the last note is not an E sound because that's really hard to hold. Or making sure that I'm not putting consonants together, you know, like ending a word with a K and then starting the next one with a K because those K's get swallowed together and you can't understand what the two words are. So a lot of thinking on that micro level, but then also I have to think about what is the title? How does that fit in with the other songs? How does that fit in with the overall theme of the story? How can I, if, if we want to reuse that song later, how is that, how, how can twisting that title or that hook around push the story forward in the third act the way it did in the first act and yet provide a new thought? And so it's, it's, it's putting a lot of different levels of meaning onto anything at one time and sort of holding that all in your head while you're working is, is probably for me, the hardest part. Well, you it's also really the do, most rewarding part. You That's should sorry. really do
1: this for the living, for your living. Cause this, you're fantastic <laughs> at this. You really know what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I, everybody does it differently. I mean, but for me, it's, it, it feels like I'm constantly trying to squeeze my, square head into a round hole yeah i'm sure for other people it comes easier but it's definitely a uh like a, it's it's holding a lot at one time and just trying to keep your balance wow
1: that's great all right
0: we have to take a break but to minutia men, we'll be right back
2: coming up on the next episode of the car guys report informed automotive our replay visit continues on part two of our special corvette c8 episode as only the car guys report can do i'm mark vernon join me luke costable and our man in the field roger rexroad
0: as we revisit part two of this very special episode of the car guys report a tony lasano podcast an Opie production on radio
1: misfits Podcast Network.
0: On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Talk dirty to me, Siri. Bees in my walls. A psychiatrist named Jenkins. My brush with a Hollywood A-list star from years gone by. Listen to (laughs) Minutia Men on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits.
1: We are totally back. Tell me the Mount Rushmore of Glenn Slater lyricists. Like, who would you put? on the mountain? Is it a McCartney? Is it a Lennon? Is it a, you know, or I don't, you know, what, that's what a,
2: who are your lyrics? That's a, that's a great question. Um, and a tough one. I mean, yeah. I, I definitely have a Stephen Sondheim disciple.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Um, And I, in, because of who I work with and because of the sorts of projects I do, I'm often asked to sort of Mimic other styles. Okay. So, for example, for when we did a Bronx tale on Broadway, the feel was going to be like 1950s Sinatra and doo-wop and brill-building pop. And so, you want to write the lyrics in that kind of style, right. which is great and it works, but it sort of swallows your natural voice. My natural voice is probably most like a Sondheim. Okay. Um, and in all the things I've done, my natural voice comes out probably most clearly in the TV show Gallivant. That we did for ABC. Okay, that's that's the sort of style I would write in if I were to be writing without any other strictures.
0: What, um, what about any more like uh, popular music, like uh, rock and, and roll music. or rap music? Or are there any lyricists I, that you go, oh yeah, now that guy's got oh, it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say probably for for pop music, and he writes in a style that I can't do. But um, Paul Simon,
1: huh. I think it is just oh, yeah.
2: absolutely brilliant. And what he does that's so great is. Unlike like Sondheim, writing very narratively and very dialogue based. Paul Simon is doing like abstract art. It's Mm -hmm. like an image, an image, an image and words that don't necessarily make sense together. But when you when you take two steps back, it all sort of kaleidoscopes in a way that makes a lot of sense. Um, And each image is so crystal clear and so unique. And again, you step back and you see how they juxtapose with the other images and it's. It just glitters. Yeah. Fantastic.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, I'm a former rock and roll disc jockey, uh, but I have to admit I have a, a soft spot for Broadway tunes. Uh, at, and just the idea of experiencing what you've experienced, which is writing songs for the stage and then to see those songs performed in front of an audience and to be sitting out there amongst the audience, that must be the most rewarding feeling in the world.
2: Uh, it absolutely is. And, you know, I, all songwriting, I mean, all art, I think, is a form of communication. You're sort mm-hmm. of trying to connect with not, not the audience as a whole, but with individual members of that audience. And some you will and some you won't. But when you're able to say something and get something across and you can feel that it's being received the way you meant it and that transfer happens, it, it's electric and the bigger the audience the more that happens so you can almost you know, feel your son answers popping off wow it is it is a pretty pretty amazing feeling
1: wow hey have you ever been walking down the street and you heard someone singing one of your songs <laughs> or in an, in an elevator have you ever heard it? have you ever heard your song spontaneously
2: you know, every so often, not, not as often as I would like. Because, uh, a lot of what I do is not. I mean, it's, it's not, again, it's not like Alan who literally like you, yeah. you can't go more right. than 10 minutes in public without hearing something he's done.
0: Yeah, that's but true.
2: I, I will say that I, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, somebody on Twitter picked up the idea of like, Oh, that first song in tango, it's like, she's in, you know, she's in quarantine uh, uh. and, and that and it sort of it went a little bit i don't know who posted it but it went a little bit viral and suddenly for for like two days it was everywhere like that one song and that was that was a pretty great feeling Dude, I mean, terrible circumstances. Right, right. So yeah, you're the we, only one who's benefited from, the co- from COVID. For you. We found them.
0: <laughs> That'll be the highlight. Glenn Slater said, <laughs> pandemic, great. <laughs> <Yeah>. Virus. <laughs> That's
1: right. Bring out another. Uh,
0: uh, you know, uh, Dave and I like having guests on the show that are smarter than us. Uh, and you're another uh, graduate of that community college in Cambridge, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Massachusetts. Yeah. Oh. Um, Is Harvard where you got your start writing lyrics or is this something that you have always done? I mean, did you go to school for
2: this or? Uh, I did not. I I actually started writing shows when I was in high school. And uh, I wrote a show for my drama club in in high school called How I Survived High School, which was about being a high school student. So that was actually picked up by a a New York producer and produced off-broadway when I was 17. Wow. Um, So I got my start very early. And I went off to Harvard and I did the I wrote for the Hasty Pudding Show, and I I work with a lot of people there who are now Broadway regulars. Um, But at the time, I was just a composer. I wasn't writing lyrics, I was just writing music. Mm -hmm. Oh. And uh, I I came to New York, you know, all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and ready to be a composer. You'll never make it in this met,
1: business, kid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, then I met
2: actual composers, and I was like, oh shit, they can like <laughs> change keys like on the spot. Because for me, if I if I want to change a key, that would be like most of my weekend gone. Uh, yeah, you know, just right. Trying to get my head around it, and so I very quickly realized that I just wouldn't be able to make a living doing composing. Uh, and so I instead I got a job in advertising, writing uh, you know commercials oh, and print yeah. ads. Like and so Barry Manilow
1: didn't Barry Manilow wasn't the, uh, yeah, he uh was. advertising guy? You know, Dave has yeah. two
0: degrees in advertising. Yeah, I don't though. like to
1: brag, Glenn, but you can you could shove <laughs> well, your Tony. I got a master's degree in advertising.
2: Yeah, you know, I have to say, I kinda loved working in advertising. Um like great people and constant creative stimulus and I I loved it. Um and I honestly that taught me so much about songwriting because coming up with like a tagline for a product yeah, kind or like or coming up with yeah. a yeah. it's like coming up with a hook for a song. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and you gotta be you know, su-
0: writing, succinct and uh, right, get to the right. point.
2: Yeah. Writing thirty seconds of copy is like, all right, how do I how do I be entertaining and get a point across and be clear and make sure the audience is taking away what I want them to take away? That's those are all the skills you need in songwriting. So yeah. I would I would be at the agency for, you know, twelve hours a day going agency stuff. And then I go home, I'd take a little nap and then I'd write songs all night. Wow. Um,
1: and, uh, well, it's worked out for you. What are you working on now? I mean, I would imagine, has COVID, you know, other than the fact that it's made you a superstar because of Twitter, uh, you, know, has co-
2: <laughs> um,
1: how, you know, what are you working on now? We've had, st- we just have interviewed quite a few people in Hollywood where everything has kind of stopped at this point. But I would imagine you could still work, right? I mean, you got a piano and uh, what are you yeah. working on now?
2: Um, you know, everything is sort of at a standstill except for one thing, which is animation because oh, yeah. oh, obviously right. you yeah. can, cartoons can be in the same room. <laughs> so, right. um, so I'm working on an animated film, uh, with Alan doing the music, uh, and about to start on another animated film. Okay. Uh, and you know, that's, it's going forward at full speed. I mean, meetings several times a week and songs being written and drawings being drawn and story being, being edited. And I, Keeping me busy, which is fantastic. So, I will say, theater theater is a little dead at the moment. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. Nobody, well, really, uh, nobody whole, knows
2: when it's coming back. I mean, we're saying 2021, but yeah,
1: who knows, right?
2: Who, I mean, who knows if who's going to be? Is there going to be an audience that's going to be excited to be sitting in an enclosed space with? Yeah,
0: we, well, you, you know what is back. You know what is back though, and I understand that you're uh, one of me in this area. The Premier League is uh-huh. back i i is according to wikipedia which never lies you are a, a, a supporter of tottenham is that true
2: i am a hardcore spurs fan yes.
1: okay all right i'm gonna check out here you guys can you guys can talk about whatever dare to do is that the or what, I, i'll tell do, you to, to, to
2: dare is to do okay yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I
0: have a host another podcast called free kicks which we is just about the premier league i have a tottenham uh-huh. joke you ready uh-huh. Uh The Premier League has finally found someone who can stop Harry Kane. You know who it is? Jose Mourinho. Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> one-fourteenth of our customers, <laughs> is, is our, our <laughs> listeners, are totally <laughs> laughing at this right now. Everybody, like, what the fuck are you guys you know,
2: doing? I, I have to say, it's. Yeah, we've taken like seven points in the last three games, yeah. and it's been the, the the most boring three four oh, and a half hours of football I've ever seen. And I, I hope we win under him, but if that's what it's going to be, I, it's oh my god, it's going to be a slog. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I agree with you.
1: Uh, have you been to the new Tottenham Stadium? I was in London this past August, and I that was one of the things I wanted to do. And I just, we weren't able to swing it. Yeah. But it I have looks not beautiful. See, I
2: have not been there yet. It looks so spectacular. I'm, I'm really excited to, to finally get over there.
1: Well, we
0: it's really sweet. appreciate you doing the show, Glenn. Uh, it's if, fantastic. If people right. want to follow you, is there a website, preferred social media outlet they can follow you? What's the best way?
2: Uh, Twitter is the best way. Uh, I'm at Slater Lyrics. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty responsive if anybody wants to get in touch. So,
1: uh, does, Sir, to does Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber have a website? Because it could be Sir Andrew Lloyd website. Oh, uh, uh, be. Well, advertising! That's <laughs> the advertising. master's degree, right there. Working, Glenn.
2: Okay, always thinking, buddy. Does, but I will say, if you want to see an, a, like an amazing, like mind-blowing website, Alan Menken has a new website that is sort of state-of-the-art. It's like the Alan Menken Museum, and it is wow. mind-blowing. Oh, wow. And it's like one of those rabbit holes where. You click on the site, and then like an hour later, you come in and say, oh, my God. <laughs> right. So highly recommended.
0: Beautiful. Uh, and do you know what the address is to it?
2: I'm not sure. Well, we'll find know. out. We'll, f- <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> we'll put it out there for everybody.
0: <laughs> hey. Well, uh, thank you very much, this Glenn, has been Glenn, Glenn, Glenn Slater, thank for you very being much. on the show. Well, we wish you the best, and we'll be following your career. We're big fans, and uh, and and you're the best for coming on the show. Thanks.
2: Thank you for having me. All right. You bet. Bye-bye. Excellent. All right. Bye-bye. Bye
0: so thank you very much to uh to uh, glenn slater for uh, coming on the show you know we should have asked him to do a rick and dave song you know um that guy's big time oh my god he's yeah. big time right right uh and he's talking about i mean he's 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 working with uh yeah. alan menken alan
1: menken is it's you know crazy he, he's right. won like eight academy awards yeah and sir andrew lloyd weber's no sir, hack either oh my, my friend oh my god yeah. Uh, uh, unbelievable!
0: If you'd like to hear uh, another one of our interviews, and and, and who, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Uh, make sure you uh, subscribe. Mm-hmm. Celebrity, M- i on it. Manisha <laughs> met celebrity. Interview. Thank you. From now on, you do the ending <laughs> of the <this> show because <laughs> I barely have some sort of a I have some sort of a uh, a, a glitch. Uh, uh, and I, you wrote lyrics, too, didn't you? I did. I did. You know, that was a thrill for me because I, I have written, I've probably mm-hmm. written 200 songs. Mm-hmm. And just talking to somebody else who understands what that's like. Uh, tell a friend to listen to us on Spotify. Go to opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts. Search for Radio Misfits. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opie is hippo backwards, O P P i h shows.com we're distributed by ed silla with radio misfits great talk radio isn't dead it just moved to a better place radiomisfits.com and we'll be back again next week with another episode of minutia men celebrity interview see how easy that is <laughs> this opi podcast was recorded at an earlier date some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID 19. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions.
2: Tony, can you shut up?
0: On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, we discuss the final week of the Premier League season.
1: We'll talk about the winners and we'll talk about the losers. Top four, bottom three.
0: So listen to Free Kicks on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever. Wherever you find podcasts just search for radio misfits don't even f- think about saying hi to me no don't even say hi don't even nod your head and acknowledge me because i will f- kill you back to you with howard Sudbury and steve baskerville you can find
1: back to you on spotify opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts just search for radio misfits